0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a
1: month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And as we said earlier in the week, we'd be back for a proper grand final preview in depth. Have a look at both teams, their strengths, their weaknesses, our thoughts on both sides of the coin as to what they're going to be looking to do or things you're going to look to expose in one another. Uh, boxhead, boxhead, Panther Storm, like we said at the start of the week, right result, 1v2. We've got the two sides that were ranked first and second in defence and in an attack. They were second and third, but they weren't too far off first. Just about in every facet, we've got the best two teams. We've got the right grand final.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So- and it's toss the coin. I am no more confident on either side than I was on Tuesday when we recorded our review. So we're now forty-eight hours further down the road, and it's been a fairly quiet grand final week, I think.
0: Again, it hasn't been a lot. COVID makes a difference when there's no grand final breakfast or as much media and all the events, I guess, around the situation. Yeah, so Panthers had an
1: open session they got it yesterday, I think, which was good. I think Melbourne had an open session yeah. as well, which Five was turn up. which was good. Yeah, I, I guess that's just part and parcel situation. of being away from where they are. Yeah, I tell you what, if I was near the Central Sunshine Coast and could have. Got to watch from train. I would have loved to have watched a Melbourne session. But, uh, no, look, I, I think there hasn't been really a... There's, there hasn't been a suspension. There hasn't been a judiciary case. There hasn't been... It's there's no hitters. injury. So, no, it's been good. I, I like this. I, I think they'll both hit Sunday with no excuses. Yeah. There, there's no distraction. Uh, they're the, the best two sides. They're fit. They're not really missing anyone significant. Uh, Viliami Kikau comes back for Penrith. So, they're at... Full strength. Melbourne are at full strength. They're going to have, you know, maybe one or two ends, uh, p- depending on how Craig Bellamy wants to um, have the makeup of his bench. So, uh yeah, it's it's exciting. It, as a neutral, like I don't support either team. Uh, I'm really really excited, and I just hope it's a bloody ripper game.
0: Oh, Even as a Storm man, I'm excited. We've done we've done multiple Grand Final previews, and as people know, and the Storm have been involved in a couple. Of, like to think I've been really biased on any of them. I tip the Roosters. I'm pretty sure the Sharks. here yeah, I did tip. No, but my point is that game, yeah,
1: it's clear that you're you're pulling from one side, not the other, because you, oh, you support yeah, emotionally. One side. But if yeah. you want me
0: to go through it subjectively, I still yeah. And
1: yeah, that's not what I was suggesting. Yeah, but
0: in all honesty, and I've said it all year, they've been number one in my power rankings. I think Penrith, in all honesty, if it was a dry track, would be the better football side. The fact that they're talking 10 to 15 mil, 20 mil of rain. I still think Penrith will deal with the wet, no problems. They've played in the wet once or twice this year. We know ourselves from being out here in Penrith and the night conditions and the way we train. It gets nice and cold in the winter and and not easy to handle the ball for night sessions. So I don't think they'll be any worse off than Melbourne in the wet. I just think probably overall the style of football they play uh, would suit more a dry track and, and playing just head-to-head with the way they like to play their football, whereas Melbourne uh, probably kind of suits them a little bit more in the wet weather, just What's playing that was? boring, dour middle kind of football and kicking and controlling. So yeah. um, it was dewier
1: at ANZ Stadium last week than it was at Suncorp.
0: I yeah, guarantee that. So, 100%. So I think dead set even game, even regardless. I just think the disappointing thing, if it is wet weather, is I really think these two dry track, good weather, like we said, these are the two best football sides. This would be an absolute awesome game to watch in the best possible conditions. So hopefully the rain doesn't bring too much in the Yeah, look at
1: it. Just because it says it's going to rain on the day doesn't mean it'll rain while the game's on. So, and ANZ drains extremely well. I, yeah, I, I'd be optimistic that it won't. We won't get any rain, but I mean, if we do, we do. Can't control it.
0: Well, what start of the coin. do You want to start on? Are we want to talk about the Penrith Panthers. Or are we want to talk about the Melbourne Storm. Yeah,
1: Panthers minor premiers.
0: Panthers, as you said, minor, minor premiers. Minor
1: premiers. Premiers
0: first defensively this year. Uh, a couple of points better. The Melbourne and an attack, they were second. I think the Roosters ended up top attacking side. Obviously, they teed off on a couple of teams. But yeah. realistically, like I said, we've got the top two, I think, in both sides of the ball, if we're being completely honest. But Penrith, line-up-wise, uh, you've got the middles that will be starting. James Tarmow, Fisher-Harris, Yo, and Arpy are that middle slab. Dylan in behind at fullback. The left edge, you've got Luai, Kikau, Crichton, Mansour, the right edge, Cleary, Liam Martin, May Naden and Brian Toto and the bench makeup up Ted Avano, Well, and again, you could say May or Naden. In all honesty, I think if you drop in Naden last week, confidence-wise and decision-wise for a preliminary final, you're clearly not going to pick him for a grand final because if, if, if it was for defensive reasons and you've got through, I'm not saying they couldn't, but you'd have to have pretty good confidence that he's going to bounce back if it was a result of what you saw in the Roosters game. I think they're going to go with May. So to me, that bench spot, with what they've got on the bench in their extended squad, Farage not going to be in. Lanu in the wet conditions, if they wanted to have an extra middle, you could have an extra rotation. But I think it's more than likely they'll either pick Kenny or Burton. Um, I think they might lean towards Kenny only because of the possibility of what happened with Coraceau's shoulder last week. And I'm not suggesting anything's wrong with it. But I think purely like Melbourne did the first week of the finals, they're going to look at their bench and think, we'll use the two middle rotations. We'll use Kate or probably for Yale, and to cover Edge. And if something happens, we can shift May. And Kenny's purely there for cover. That's my opinion. I don't think they will yeah, have look, I, a centre winger sit on the bench for the whole grand final. I don't think
1: they'll have uh, Mitch Kenny to sit on the bench for the whole game either. Yeah,
0: I just think for the cover, <clears>
1: the <throat> opposite. But yeah. you get the cover through Tyrone May. That's where your cover is for nine. Uh, I think they either so pick think the extra they carry
0: middle and if something happens, they. I, I think up. they
1: either pick the extra middle or they will start Naden and May will be at fourteen.
0: All right. So. Pretty straightforward, like we said. Those two guys, Leota, Ted Avano, the middles last week, pretty even run of the game. I think they brought them on both around the 30-minute mark. They got really good stints out of Tarmel and Fisher-Harris. Fisher-Harris in particular probably go for an extra five. He usually plays about 30 both stints. So realistically, out of Ted Avano, Leota, you're only asking them to cover 25 minutes each, probably maximum, 30 minutes maximum, unless if you want to make more changes or the conditions. Catewell probably gets 15 to 20 minutes to cover Yoey. They generally like to give him a little bit of a rest, and if you get an injury on the edge, you can play him there. We've seen him play on the wing centres. He can cover if they want to take him as almost their utility. And, yeah, that other bench spot there, I don't know. Last
1: time, do. last time they played, I know it's going back to round five. But Different teams. Penrith played with 16. Matt Burton didn't get on. So it may be that they go Naden. And oh, I think they may. He just doesn't play. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I uh, well,
0: Penrith, they all talk. Melbourne
1: essentially did the same thing. They had Tommy Eisenhoof play for five minutes.
0: Yeah, different teams though. Mm. Yeah,
1: different, I get that. I like get that. Different but
0: back rowers, different.
1: Similar, similar conditions. Like if it's going to be that. That night was a Friday night out at Campbelltown. It was wet. It was a middle winter. So, you know, it, it just tells you. It tells you a little bit. It's not going to tell you everything, but that, that just tells you where the coaches' heads were at in regards to uh, the last time they played.
0: Uh, One thing I'm not buying into, a lot of people bringing up the lack of grand final experience because there's only three guys that have played in a grand final. But we talk about big games. We talk about junior rep pedigree. We talk about being on big stages. There's plenty of guys in the Panthers lineup who have played already on grand final day in a different format. Origin. Or junior rep football or rep football. So you don't necessarily have had to have played in a grand final. I don't buy into that. That's bullshit. It it honestly Hmm. is. like Between Katewell, Coruscant, Tarmel, yep, They've played in grand finals. Tetevano's played in a grand final too. But, you know, Mansell's played some rep football. Kikau, Fisher-Harris, Nathan Clear. Like, they have internationals or rep football. Everyone's played at a higher level. All those guys that have come through the under-20s systems or the junior rep systems have played New South Wales, 18s, Australian Schoolboys, Kangaroo Tours, under-20s grand finals, two-flag grand finals, State Cup finals for a couple of seasons there. Like, they've all played in a big arena with pressure when something's on the line. No, it's not the NRL Grand Final, no. but they've played enough coming through the pathway where it's not some random guy who's a late bloomer who's just pushed his way into grade. They've all played decent levels of football with high pressure coming through. It may not equal the NRL Grand Final, but I'm not buying into the whole.
1: But what does that mean? What, what does it mean? mean?
0: Ah, just I'm more. Everyone keeps saying, oh, they're inexper-. They're not inexperienced. Like they they've all played. They've
1: won 17 games in a row. Yeah, they've so, beaten everybody. They've... They couldn't
0: do any more than what you want them to. They're the minor premiers. They've knocked off everyone and they've played all different levels of high-class and high-pressure football on the way through. So they're not going to be over in my opinion, by the, the situation or the occasion. They're not. No. If they were going to but, be overawed, they already would have done if so. It's,
1: if it's 10-all or 16-all with 10 to go, the the advantage is going to be Melbourne, yeah. regardless of experience.
0: And I honestly think that last week, like we said, any of the nerves or firing off a couple of shots there where we saw him maybe be a little bit more trigger-happy or a couple of passes not come off, I think any sort of pre-jitters or excitement would have been worked out in the situation with South last week where honestly they had one of their worst completion rates and probably one of their sloppiest games of the season and they still won through so I don't think they all Penrith, look
1: Penrith just need to take the mindset we're here to win the game Yeah. we're not here to be a part of the day no we're not here to get the experience we're not here because we deserve to be here no, we're, we're here, here to, to win the game
0: we're here to fucking blow up Melbourne basically same as we're blowing up everyone we've played we're here to win Yeah. Uh yeah, so I'm not buying on that side of things. And, and again, I think
1: through 17 weeks, they've done that. They've had that mindset, mm. uh, particularly in the last, I, I would think, five or six weeks, once people started to talk about should they rest, should they, you know, winning streaks, pressure games. You know, they had the the Roosters game, which was a, a belt or a nervous win last week, the, but uh,
0: they, they'll be ready to go. The only box that was left to tick, and they did it week one, was everyone said, could they play from behind? I'm like, well, I don't know why we keep bringing it up. The reason they haven't been playing from behind is because they've won 70 games yeah. in a row and they've been so dominant. But the one time they got behind... Well, they got behind in both centers. Yeah, and they've won both of them. So Last week they conceded a try after two minutes. It's, it's been proven that that's not a problem for them either. They're not worried yeah. about that. And they'll get it done within the 80. My scariest thing, and I've said it during the year and I'm going to say it again, I still don't think they've played for 80, which really scares me. Because I think if they can put together close to their best game and I used the reference the other week, they could just goro somebody from Mortal Kombat, take the arms um, off and beat the shit out of someone.
1: I said to someone during the week, I think there's a world where...
0: It all clicks. I think there's a
1: world where parents win 13+. So
0: do I. If everything clicks and we see their best possible performance for a 60 but I, or 70 minute I, I, I've field, got to be
1: honest, and I don't know about listeners and people are going to listen to this at different times between now and grand final kickoff, but I feel as though the narrative on Melbourne heading into last week was, well, I think Canberra had a better chance of beating Melbourne than what South are beating Penrith. Melbourne come out and rattle off probably the best 20 minutes we've seen from anyone in the in the comp this year, and now it's the narrative's flipped from going, well, Penrith can't beat Melbourne. So it's we've got recency bias out of what was a 20-minute period, and my argument to that has been, I think there was as much to do with Melbourne in that period the, as there was Canberra. And... We just, I think, take too much and read too much into the last performance. Uh, and that's taking nothing away from Melbourne. But I do think that they're, we're understating the quality of Penrith. I also think we're probably understating the fact that they haven't been that great in their last two finals. And like you just said, they, they really haven't... Strung together, probably sixty good minutes in the two finals. To be fair,
0: I think just during the year, even when we saw them dust up Canberra, earlier, they played one good half. Yeah, like if and that that's more a credit that I'm paying them that they're such a, a good football side. Yeah, as a coach, you'd be sitting there going, "Fuck me!" If we get sixty or seventy minutes of good, yeah, clean, consistent footy where we don't give away penalties or any errors or anything at all, and just trounce a team like absolutely go to town on someone they could absolutely trash a team they really could yeah I just encourage people
1: when you're making your tip and when you're betting and when you're forming an opinion on the game look at the the season as a whole Like, obviously last week's game is is to be taken into consideration because it's the last time you've seen the play and they're going to take that performance into this week and it's grand final it's a big stage all that stuff and the weather etc but Take into account the whole season and the, the CV that each team has formed because it'll come to the fore in this, in this game. Uh, and, and really, they, they've both got formidable um, paths in and they present formidable challenges to each other.
0: Yeah, well, I think they've both had different paths to the season as well. That's, Melbourne that's my point. Obviously yeah. started off in Melbourne, had a game got moved they've had some guys in and out Smith missed a couple of games Munster's missed some football they've rolled through still got the job done they had two games there where they've basically arrested everyone looking forward to this period in time so two of those losses realistically are fake form they've lost two games basically all season one of them was to Penrith yeah. and I can't really remember what the other one was they lost the last round of the Dragons where they rested everybody they lost when they took everybody out against Parramatta. and I can't even think now what the other loss was It was to Canberra Canberra when the game resumed. That was the start after COVID. But other than that, they've probably had some challenges. They've relocated. They've been stuck up there. They have to travel every second week. They've been isolated. For Penrith, I think this is the best case scenario when you do have a younger team this year. They've been in the bubble. They've been pushed closer together. Most of the guys are local. It brings that bond. They're winning football games. Uh, The travel mostly came at the back end of the season, so they've had a lot of Sydney games. And even this week, that's probably the only one thing I will say. Forget the inexperience on the field, but I think the whole grand final week and the excitement couldn't be a better situation for younger guys that might not get caught up in the week as in stop thinking about the game, but just what would usually come with a normal grand final week. I don't think there's a better year for Penrith to get in to play their first grand final with some of these young guys where they're not going to have to have the breakfast and as much media responsibility and all the bullshit that comes with grand final week. Yeah, They're going to get to basically go almost as though this is a normal game week into the biggest game of the season, which is, I reckon, absolutely ideal for the group they've got. I reckon it's perfect. And for Melbourne, uh, generally they're unknown down in Melbourne for the majority of the week anyway, but Sunny Coast is a similar situation. They're just going to sit up there for the majority of the week until they come down and play. So I I think both, no one really gets an advantage from that side of things for the week. Yeah, I agree. But let's get into it. Penrith, uh, what we're expecting, I think the biggest thing that I wrote down first for me is to continue the fast starts. They obviously haven't had fast starts in the last two semifinals, but I think in this game of all games, a fast start would be absolutely outstanding for this group. When they do that, it's generally been a real, real positive from him. They've proved that they can come from behind, but any of these games where they've generally got a sniff early and they get blood in the water, they can have a glutton of points or they can really start putting a beating on a team and getting control and inflict some damage for a 15, 20-minute period there that can be irreversible, but... Uh, yeah, I don't see any reason why if they do go down though that they'll be worried either. But a good start would be really, really good to, as compared to last week, just to kind of shake out any jitters, any nerves, any sort of that excitement or trigger happy uh, issues that we saw last week where they probably should have banked a few tries earlier. Second thing, probably the biggest thing seen all year, just how relentless they've been defensively and in contact and trying to dominate games on both ends. I don't think there's been a better side particularly defensively, play 1-2 in the competition. I think they're the best team. Play 1-2, and it's not wrestling. It's not catching. They get up. They compress. They get tight. They're physical, and they'll drag people back. Play 1-2. Yeah. They're not interested in just making tackles and catching the bloke and putting them down. They want to fucking whack the bloke. They get shoulders in. They get limbs. They pull. It looks like they're trying to roll a bloke. They will drag people backwards. They bury you in your own end. If they can take that attitude to Melbourne early, and tee off on the back three and bury them there and half and make it a territory game. I think that that's like I said earlier in that Parramatta game where everyone was complaining about their attack. I was that much more impressed with their defensive attitude and how ruthless they were for extended periods of the game, just teeing off in yardage. And in that South game the other night, as ugly and scrappy as I thought it was, when crunch time came at the <clears> end of that last <throat> three to four d sets, play ones and twos again. They were getting three blokes in and dragging them back. Play one two, even at that point into the, the game. Yeah. Just destroying any chance they had of getting out of yardage. Making them having to play sideways and get risky. So I, that's, that's obviously going to be a huge key against Melbourne. Just bury them in their own half. Kill their set starts.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Particularly with those two wingers. Oh. So let uh, Adokala and Vunny start to roll down the field and shorten the field and shorten the distance for how far their middles are going to have to come back behind the ball, you're going to give those big Melbourne boys plenty more leg speed and energy. Uh, Penrith need to make sure that it's it's inside 20. So if you're having a look at that while you're watching the game, you ideally want to, want to be tackling Melbourne inside their 10, if yep. not, definitely inside 20. And if if, if you... they're getting outside of there and getting upfield and landing on their front, then Penrith are going to be in some stro- uh, some trouble and it'll just, Melbourne will then be able to dictate field position.
0: Yeah, and the other way you'll know if Penrith are in control or dominate and if they're getting kicks in, getting their chase within there where they can't link up or get the ball central early, which Melbourne like to do. They'll catch in a corner, drift across, throw it long, get central straight away. If Penrith are doing a good job rolling downfield and kicking, you'll find wingers, whether it be Suley, Fox, Pappenhausen, Niffy central, basically having to catch it and just pick a spot to go to and let them tee off, play one. Because if they can get out, get space, or Melbourne feel like they're getting sort of even in the territory battle and getting upfield, they probably will link up and get central early. They'll pass outside where Penrith get thick defensively and try and tee off and... They'll get upfield like you're saying earlier to try and get their middles going, but um, Penrith middles huge key again. Ford Pack's been awesome this year. They do a really good job get momentum. Obviously, that sparks probably the biggest key to the whole game for me. If their middles and Fish Harris, Tami on the bench guys do a good job, Yoey getting wide, link passes get moving, that gets Arpi coming out. And when RP comes out, we know how that goes. He yep. rolls downhill. He picks markers. He gets in behind. He manipulate, uh, manipulates around the ruck. He got critical six against last week. He jumped short sides. He's just an absolute pain in the ass. And those things build into the most obvious thing. If you can see him out probing, picking apart the middle and rolling, it opens up the edges early for shifts. So I think everything comes off the back of that. The two big keys, obviously want the halves to have a big game, but I think Coruscant, especially in the wet with the middles, are going to be the two the, the biggest part of this football game. Yep. So if he's out and probing, you know they're doing a good job in the middle. and There's no doubt they're going to want to move the point of attack. They're not going to want to play into Melbourne's big pack, one out, get whacked. They're going to have supports. They're going to play with width. They're going to try and use him, like I said, off quick play of the balls to manipulate. Yo with those link plays and just try and move Melbourne around. When you play Melbourne set, up the guts, and you're happy to play tight and carry one out, they'll just catch and kill. Put you on the ground. Arpy's going to be static. And obviously that's how Melbourne's going to want to have it. If they can get him stuck in at nine, just passing the ball... Excellent for them. And if yeah. he's not out in program, they can't shift to the edges early. That means Melbourne, obviously, are not going to have to work as hard from the inside to cover numbers too when they try to shift. So everything's going to start with that middle. But I have no doubt, in particular, that first three last week, they were excellent with the way they moved the middle. Got play the balls, uh short passes, their supports. They're just always so busy. Fish is dead set, just not human. The amount of carries he has... Yo, his footwork and how dynamic he is, transferring from the edge to the middle, like we said this year, he's just been next-worldly. I think Tameo's been good this year, but next last week he went next level. So clearly he's looking to go out with a big bang. Yeah, he was but. good.
1: He probably pushed for an origin spot if he plays like that again.
0: Mm. Unlock Coruscant and get him going, and that's going to be huge for them. That's going to unlock the whole game. And Off the back of that, that plays into exactly that. If, if they can get Roland and get R P out and probing, then you can get Melbourne sort of on the back foot or at least struggling to retreat. I think they're just going to play early, straight away. If they can get momentum and play with a bit of width, in particular that left-hand edge, there's no doubt about it. There's going to be early shifts left. They get to Luai. He gets kick-out back this week. We know he's basically the best decoy or the best short pass you have in the competition. He gets to use him and unlocks Luai, helps him play more square. If Melbourne's not accountable on the inside, he can cut back in. If you've got to worry about marking up on kick-out, it puts more pressure... On the inside shoulder of the players that they're marking on that side of the field. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to give Branko, Felice, Hughes a good workout in that side of the field. Sully's there as well. He's got a tendency to jump in. Um, If he can use kick out in the right way and get a bit of doubt created there, whether it be playing short, playing long to Crichton, who's got an excellent catch pass, they might be able to catch Sully or Branko out coming in and just play around him. But yeah, I, I think that, that's the whole key, I think, for them. Left hand side is their dominant side. We know they play good to the right, but. If they unlock the middle and get Kaurasau going, there's going to be plenty of early shifts, I think, to the left to try and unlock those guys. And Even if they do play short on Melbourne, ramp up and get numbers over, we know Kikau is almost an impossible one-on-one tackle. If he gets offloads or he busts through, Luai, if they get him lazy in the middle, Crichton's proved you know, he can break tackles, offloads, set up two-on-one. Um, everything from that middle side, everything coming out of that is going to lead into them trying to get to the left-hand side. On the right, though, probably a bit more stock standard uh, they're a little bit more solid on that side of the field. Melbourne, we don't know who's going to be playing in the centre, so I doubt they're going to be shifting as much there. But still think there's a weakness there that you can at least pick at. We know Munster, we've said it before, he's a bit handsy defensively to me. Yeah, He can miss three or four a game. I have no doubt Nathan will test him out if he gets an opportunity just to play straight and engage. Mm. And if not, Martin's a pit bull. He's not mm. as powerful as out, uh, but you certainly know he's going to be a handful. I'm sure they'll bang Munster plenty of times and put some pressure on him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Similar just tendencies. to
1: keep him honest on his inside shoulder as well. Yeah,
0: a hundred percent. And you know, whether it's May or Naden, I think it's going to be May again. They probably don't shift there as much. Olam and Fox are pretty good at coming up and getting the decision right. They're also very, very good at recovering on the outside, just because they're so quick. But I don't know if they'll find as much joy on that side of the field. But if I was going to pick on anyone there, it would be that. It'd be Munster. Munster at times can get a bit handsy. Mm-hmm. He's not the best defender.
1: I'd say I'd be poking the ball in behind Olam and, and Fox. Out car early, yeah, just to maybe make them second-guess themselves a little bit about how hard they're going to rush in on that on that side. Maybe fake to that sweet play at the back and roll a grubber or just a little chip in behind just to get them thinking about, well, if I come up that hard, am I really going to be able to get back for that footy? And Particularly if they can do it somewhere and hold Pappenhausen at a point on the field and not have him be able to cover it. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether there's a, there's some tactics around that because... Olam and Adokar are pretty good at coming in and shutting down, so yeah. they're going to have to do something to try and...
0: Try and get them to hesitate just and to hold. Just it, yeah. Fair enough. I think on top of what I said earlier with like the line speed and all that, I think last week will be more of a critical point. Penrith, <laughs> in particular, first half did an excellent job on their markup, their line speed, getting off square, but their inside tie last week. like They were not passive at all. They checked off, they moved... It's going to be important, obviously, to control defensively, like we said, and win those sets. But on shifts or off anything where they're coming, just working hard from the inside. Constantly having extra bodies there, putting doubt in Melbourne's mind. We know Melbourne are going to play heavy left, not as much to the right. They know where the ball's going. As long as they're busy, active, always constantly up, cutting down the time to play, putting pressure on and working hard from the inside uh, defensively, it's, it's going to go a real long way. <clears throat> yeah. I really do feel that they can, you know, will shut down Melbourne if they reach what we've seen in previous games, like that Parramatta game, where they're just relentless. Second half, you know, they probably shot themselves in the foot a bit last week, and Cody Walker and South started to find a a little, little, little bit of love. They got Liam Martin once on his inside shoulder. They got May a couple of times a bit more isolated because they were starting to roll through the middle a little bit more. So that's the back end of the game, obviously. But if they don't make as many errors early and bank a bit more points, it's probably not going to be uh, as big as what it was last week. But mm. I, I felt last week more of it was scoreboard than it was... A lot of what Souths did, but um, if they're good in that way, that's going to go a long way. The kicking game, no doubt, is going to be a huge part. And if it's, if it's wet weather, it's NAFE. Nice. NAFE's nice kicking game is going to be huge. Yeah. If they get in trouble, play three or four, it was the turning point last week when they were under pressure for the first time in the game. He put one 60-something metres buried in the corner they just pummeled Allen. And yeah. they got a cheap turnover at halfway, scored off that set. Yeah. That was... Just one of those turning points. Melbourne loved to do that as well, but his kicking game from long distances, putting up a couple of those floaters in particular if it's a heavy track, the kick that everyone hates, but it works, that pierce-style kick where you're not quite in good ball and you're not quite far enough away to put in a stock standard kick, so you put up that 40-meter lob, just landing them on dimes and bashing Melbourne inside the tent. Yeah. His kicking game, huge in particular for their general play kicking. If you're going to target anyone, I think Fox is probably the weakest of the back three if you're going to kick the one Mm,
1: of them. No, I... I'd much
0: rather have... You're a pressure Sully.
1: Yeah, no, I want him catching because I don't want him carrying.
0: I think, yeah, I get that too. But I think if you're going to pressure one in a contest inside that 10, Fox is the most likely for a Oh, cut. yeah. Suli's got the lead. Yeah. On the other side, yeah, I'm with you. I'd kick to Sully, try and hit him first. But if you have that kick where you're bombing to make contact or make a contact uh, contest, it, I think Fox is the most likely yeah. as far as the contest is concerned, um, probably for a drop. But inside 20, Luai's showing as well that he can force... A dropout, much like Nathan, but he also comes at really good attacking kicks inside twenty. He's kicked well for Crichton this year, so he set up some tries. So, uh, kicking's huge. But in particular, if it's wet weather, I think Nathan's value and what he does with the boot is going to be just—it's going to be tenfold. It needs to be spot on.
1: Yeah, it's going to be valuable regardless of the weather. But yeah, even more so if it, if it is wet.
0: And, yeah, I guess wet, probably something they don't do very much. And we saw it once last week. They may consider turning around Melbourne a bit earlier and trying to wear out those big boys in that first Mm. stint. There's no doubt they've got the kicking game and the defence to back it up. So they might adjust things a little bit in the wet. But, um, yeah, he's going to be huge. The bench, I think they get more than enough out of their bench. Moses, Tete, straightforward. They generally maintain, if not lift, the momentum when they come on, they've just got to stay error free and penalty free. That's okay. it. They're obviously a little bit rough around the edges than the two starting guys, but their stints aren't huge. I think Kate Well if he comes on, he'll do a job in whatever capacity he needs to. But I guess you just want to match bench for bench because Melbourne do have a handy bench. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, like I said, the makeup of the bench, we won't be sure until there. And I guess the other thing is just the back three for them. They're not the biggest. They're definitely going to be pressured in the wet with the contest, and in particular, I think they'll kick Fassouli to try and force some contests like they did the week before with the Valame. But this year, no one's got more kick return meters. No one's got more post-contact meters. No one's got more run meters in the competition than Penrith. And I think that is not only the forward pack, it's their back three. Edwards, like we said, is not the flashiest fullback in the world, but he works hard on his carries. Tottenham and Sauce aren't the biggest guys in the world as far as aerially, but they're low, they're awkward, they break tackles, they burrow, they drag numbers in. Melbourne are going to do very similar to what we've said they need to do to Melbourne's two at the back or their back three. Yeah. They're going to have to generate momentum early because if they can get their sets going early and not let Melbourne dictate, they'll get their forwards.
1: I think Penrith is an easier back three to get physical with. Mm. Melbourne's is big, you know, um, particularly Vunavalu. Whereas Penrith's, Mansell's probably your biggest in terms of physicality. So if. Uh, if Melbourne can pin that first tackle, I think Penrith are going to find it hard to generate any speed and meterage out of that. If they can catch coming forward and land on their front, then Penrith are going to be dangerous because not only are they meter eaters, but they're also probably a little bit more um, agile and a little bit quicker than you know your, your voonies of the world. So, yeah, it will be interesting.
0: Well, they saved them a lot last week, didn't they? Brian, a couple of times when Reynolds, I thought, put a good kick in off the back foot.
1: And Pappenhausen's back. more a schemer. Yeah, he
0: looks for space yeah, or picks a Yeah, rather
1: than just putting his head down and running, whereas Edwards and uh, Mansour are all you know, inside 40, inside their own 40. They're all just put their head down and carry the ball pretty hard. So, yeah, I'd be trying to pin pin Vunavalu and then have Pappenhausen and Addo Carr have to carry the ball at me.
0: Yeah. And... Uh off the back of that I think more what I said earlier just for me in summary for Penrith the biggest X factor is if they get going forward and they unlock RP. I think that unlocks everybody if RP gets to get out probe, dictate what's happening in the middle move the point of attack and control this game of football that just leads into what Penrith do best which is in particular playing most of the left letting I use kick out he's hard for a one on one play short get some mix ups get Crichton some early ball in space Um, they're just so dangerous down that side of the field and they're going to have to be very, very sharp. Felice, Branco, Hughes, all in the money. Hughes is going to see plenty of traffic from Kiki. I have no doubt about it. If they don't tie in from the inside, some of those big boys, you're going to get Lui cut back in. That play where he's jumped across and, and dropped Crichton under the last few weeks, they're going to have to be alert for that later in halves or later in game. Yeah. Uh, and Branko. Branko. is probably the, the one, realistically, on that edge that they're going to be scheming for if they can isolate I really him. think
1: uh, Trent Barrett would have looked at the Canberra attack, and Melbourne, they, they did such a good job pressuring from the inside last week yeah. and making Canberra play early and just shuffling them across towards the sideline. So, you know, they really put pressure on White and, and in particular Williams. I think they're going to come hard at Cleary on his inside and try and make him play early. Mm. So Penrith are going to have to have a couple of shots uh, up their sleeve in terms of just dumping the ball back on the inside or having some sort of cross play against... Um, against the grain there and try and... If they can't put a hole in Melbourne, at least get a quick play of the ball and then try and negate some of that inside pressure that Melbourne are going to try and force. Uh, and Appy's going to have to do a good job there of not only giving clean ball, but also trying to hold up the markers a little bit to give Cleary some time and let him get down and square up their a- on their A and Bs, uh, which is then going to open up those opportunities on the outside. If If Cleary's got to play wider... Um, play deeper and play earlier, Melbourne will just eat it up all day.
0: Yeah. One of the last points probably for me, I don't know if you've got much else, is just those key players. Like around the middle when we talk about Penrith getting numbers and working hard from the inside and pushing over, stop the second phase. Melbourne have been very, very big on the offload this year. They've got a big forward pack. You know Pappenhausen's going to be sniffing around. You get bodies there to make sure that he doesn't get any cheap runaways or easy space because we've seen Melbourne are very good at converting long distance this year. Cameron Smith, it's obvious. Hammer him. Do what the Sharks did the other year. Work him over in the middle. Plenty of traffic at him. Get physical. Never rest on him at dummy half. Play three, four. Make sure you're out-pressuring him. Make sure they're making him hit the deck. Don't let him kick. Uh, Munster as well, like you said, inside pressure. He doesn't like getting hit. Pressure him early. Make him play. Don't let him dictate. Hughes, I'm not saying he's not a threat, but Hughes' game is pretty stock standard. He's going to play square. He's going to run nine times out of ten if not. He's playing short. He does some of the kicking, um, but I think kick pressure on the Melbourne halves is going to be a big thing because their kicking game is definitely not as good. And I'll be getting into Munster. Physically. Yeah, 100%. You can, you can get Munster a bit right up, but hitting him from the inside, get there early, make sure that those guys, but in particular Smith, the three or four times that Smith thinks about jumping and kicking, they just need to be all over him. Yeah. Because in particular, when he likes to get out, play three or four with him on the back foot and kick from that inside 30 spot, he can be absolutely dangerous. But... Um, I think I've summed up most of what I want to say about Penrith. You got yeah. anything else no, you can no, think of? no, it's of? all good. Let's move on. Melbourne, it goes basically similar things on the flip side. As far as lineup, I guess Jesse, Smith, Welch, Nelson, you got your middle, uh, Pappenhausen at the back, the right edge, Hughes, Felice, Brown. Branko and Suley, left edge, Munster, Kenny, O'Arm and Fox, much like Penrith, dominant left side. The right's pretty stock standard. Like we said, Hughes will play that shape, two or three wide. He'll have an inside trail. If they've got momentum, he'll just dig in, engage and play short to Felice. He's done a much better job, at least using him, as compared to the pass, What they did with Croft, Branko, if he gets the ball, generally this early football can skip across, create a two-on-one, get a pass. So if he can get outside Crichton, Crichton's done a very, very good job, I think, since the only real game where he had issues, which was you know, probably a 10-minute period against Parramatta. Uh, I can't really think of too many games this year where he hasn't accounted uh, himself very, very well. Yeah. So you know, I don't know if they're going to find as much love down that side of the field, but left side, on the other hand...
1: But if, that came also from Penrith losing the middle of the field.
0: Yeah, and if they lose the middle of the field here, no one throws a better wide pass and gets playing earlier than Cameron Smith. Yeah. If they don't control the middle here and they shift early left to Munster, and they don't have inside tie. The,
1: the, I think the issue is, I don't think it's a, a read issue for Crichton, it's a spacing issue. Yeah. When he gets nervous, he'll he he um, he'll tighten right up. Yeah. And you can pass he gets across inside him. the
0: pocket yeah. of the back rower on the half. Yeah.
1: And that, that becomes his issue. He, he gets too far in and he can't get out, and it yeah. just makes it a lot easier for those players on the edge to create opportunities because there's more space there.
0: And I think we've pointed out before, and I've said it most weeks, that... The real one space where Penrith have been picked apart a few times is that little eye-kick-out spot, and the Roosters got back there, but Melbourne on that side just aren't as dominant. It's it's not as slick, so I don't know Mm. if they'll have a set play or something they're going to come up with to see if they can get back to that side of the field, but when it's coming from Hughes and Felice, they're not as sharp on that side of the field. They might come up with that old swing play that Melbourne used to use with uh, Kevin Proctor and have Pappenhausen where you hit short to the back rower, swings around, does the wraparound with the fullback, and they try and generate, like you said, that extra number to get Crichton to maybe tuck in yeah. or get Luai standing flat. But,
1: but they also might use that as their pop play. They might use that as a play. Right, I will get a quick play the ball on that and then use we'll it go. for something else. Yeah.
0: But I have no doubt they'll, they'll get it Lui because Kikau can get a bit lazy at times defensively. Yeah, they have to get it at Especially at the back end of the game. He can end up on an island on his own. We saw Crichton just carry him over the line that game because Kickout couldn't cover. Another time there... Kikia was just caught a little bit flat himself, and they picked on Luai as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to have as much chance to get there as their left. But on their left-hand side, we saw last week.
1: Is it Felice on Jerome's side? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no doubt they're going to get Felice at Luai. Hard assignment for Jerome.
0: Yeah. The left-hand side, though, I think they showed last week, South in the second half, that if you can get a bit of traffic... Mind you,
1: he held his own against Sewer. Oh, definitely. Mm.
0: But I think that main Aiden thing, again, if uh, they're not confident... They put May in there last week. He did a job yeah. for the most part of the game. But Liam Martin wasn't his best game. He's been really solid all year, but he had a couple of misses and an error last week. Then no doubt Nathan is going to be a big plus and they're going to have to work hard on that edge because if Munster does get early ball off momentum from the middle and the width that Smith will play with, Melbourne will just try and play. Munster will come. He'll try and isolate, get one-on-ones, attack the inside shoulder. They'll hit that space between Martin and May or Naden. Olam, if he gets early ball, we know what he can do. He's going to be a real handful there for May or Naden if May's in this week because they think that's the better defensive play. You're not going to have many more awkward challenges. That bloke is just literally like a rolling boulder. He's built low to the ground, but he just chucks people on the floor. Um, Outside of him, Toto, again, have to be good with your decisions, have to follow in. They have to be clean and concise with what they're doing because if you get caught in or hesitating or held up, if they get the fox on the outside, he's gone. Yeah. So that side of the field has their work cut out for them. I have no doubt it's going to be very helpful that Cleary's one of the better defensive halves, but the fact they made a change last week at centre, and that's Melbourne's dominant side, and I think they're as sharp, if not sharper, than South's left. There's If they can get the ball there and they can get momentum, there's no doubt that's the majority of their traffic. And Melbourne don't need to announce it to you. I don't need to trick you with what they're doing. If you've got somewhere that they think they can stab, they're going to keep stabbing it. There's no doubt about it. But I think they're going to be similar. Melbourne's big on ramping up very, very early. They have what a lot of people talk about a lot, the chopping block and how they can stop it. I have no doubt for them, for the middle, that target's going to be Fish. Fish is the one they're going to want to stop. out is going to be the one on the edge they want to stop. But they made a real heavy influence last week on getting stuck into Papali. They did a good job on him. You kill the momentum on Papali into Pine, and you see what Jack Whiten got last week. Yeah, He got no good quality early ball. He made 40 metres. He was constantly under pressure. He was getting hit from the inside. He's the outside man. He didn't have much to play with. He just had to die with the football for a bit. So, no doubt, similar to Penrith, they're going to try and do a real good job on that middle, in particular Fish.
1: Well, it's, the, it's the game within the game. You're going to have to work out, okay, what are we thinking that Melbourne are going to do to counteract what we do well? And or, if they if they can counteract and come up with a strategy, what have we got in terms of plan B, plan C? Yeah. And and that's really what you're practicing this week. It's not so much your, that stock game that you've had all year. It's more about those little arms that you've got to have mm. once you get into a situation where you go, okay, this isn't going as we thought or as we planned, or plan A starting to dry up a little bit. We need to try something else. And you've got to have those different strategies and tactics, I guess, to change to as the game rolls on. and. I guess the halves good enough to be able to know when to implement them and to change and, you know, understand what's needed within the game.
0: And I think similar if they do what they did last week and they can stop fishing, yo, that means Appy's static. With Appy's static, he's a lot easier to deal with and there's no doubt they'll pressure him at dummy half and make sure they try to keep him in his box because if he gets to jump out, they, again they will work those middles, they'll probably oh, get it yeah. in his space. But it's that flow and effect again. Stop the middle, you stop Appy Anytime they try those early shifts, they'll be able to get inside pressure because they'll be ready for it. And in particular, Jerome Lewis is a smaller body. If they stop the middle and they try to shift at an edge, they're going to get extra numbers there. They're going to have good inside tyre. They'll pressure Jerome. They'll be able to get people there to help out with Kikia, try and get those guys a bit earlier and just give them no time to play. There's no doubt that's going to be the whole basis of what they're trying to do from the middle. If they can stop Appy getting out and probing, that means the edges are going to be a lot more flat and have less time to play like you were speaking about. And they're going to have to play deeper And they'll just chew them up from the inside. Yeah. I'll make them play to the sidelines. But, uh, you know, Cameron's kicks are one of the big things I highlighted here. Like I said, the halves for Melbourne, pretty stock standard. Hughes has improved out of sight. He really has. He's gone to a whole new level. But in this sort of occasion, I think there'll be three or four kicks from Cameron Smith, as there is in every game, that are critical. Uh, Majority of the time, they're long kicks, in between that 30 and 40 on a play, three or four. Sometimes it's not even when they're down or behind, sometimes it's when they're on top. And they just feel that, you know, they've got the fullback out of position. He doesn't have to hit it left foot to the open or drive it to a corner. We've seen the last few years he's developed that kick back across the body where he can trick the guy at the back. Um, That's going to be huge for Melbourne. The three or four times that Melbourne Smith kicks and his kicking game in general for this grand final to me is going to be massive. And if it's wet. We've seen in games of years gone past, in particular those roosters, Melbourne games, there's a few times where Smith just turned the game on its head when they've been under pressure. And put in a good early kick, and it's just flipped things. So yeah. he's critical in many ways, but in particular, those kicks pin the back three, turn them around. He's uh, dummy half work in general was critical. I don't think anyone plays with better width. I don't think anyone's got a better pl- pass to get them playing with width earlier than the Storm do off Smith.
1: Yeah, I agree. With no him. one
0: gets that space going better. Um, you know, their pack, starting pack, huge. Last week, going to be big again. I think earlier in the year, I was worried about Jesse. I thought Welch was okay, but the back end of this season, Mm -hmm. um, Jesse's played a couple of his best games at the most important time. Welch Mm -hmm. has been outstanding the last few weeks. Nelson, starting, I don't know if they go with Dale and try to put him on the bench to have even more impact, but maybe, again, they balance it out with him. Starting, and then you have Tino, Brandon Smith, and Finucane off the bench. Um, I think you can... Look at that whichever way you'd like. But I guess with two more stock standard guys and Welch who just has a solid carry, Jesse with a little bit of feet, you probably do want someone with an offload and a bit of feet and a bit of a batter and Nelson to start with them instead of just unleashing three at once. But no doubt they're going to look to play their power game and enforce their will there as well to be able to play to that left-hand edge. But yeah, that those two half space that we spoke about, they're going to make Luai accountable if they can and get back to that space at him and kick out. I'm sure they'll do the same thing that Smith and try and get some traffic at Appy. He's an excellent defender, but heavily load him up and they'll play to that May, Nade space, whoever's playing there. Liam, clear he's definitely going to have to be good on his inside to get across and help, but they're going to attack the two-half space and go after the hooker. Munster's and Hughes kicking game off the back of Smith is going to be huge as well. They don't have the best kicking games. Mm. Uh, Munster generally kicks from that spot we're talking about from 50, puts up those bombs with inside 10. He started to get that to a pretty good art form but their general play kicking games can be hit and miss. You're not going to find them finding grass very often or being constructive with their kicks or coming up with a pressure kick. Dropout's probably not their strong point. Like It's a lot of that in, especially if it's a wet game that's a massive advantage to the Panthers in my opinion. Agree. Huge yeah, they've got advantage. more
1: strings more people that can do it.
0: Yeah. Um, so those guys definitely need to be on point. Find grass. Kick for territory even if they don't find grass they have to be bang on. Um in particular, I think the kick target for them could be either of the wingers. We've seen Brian. He's not the tallest man in the world. He gets up and he has a crack. Fox has got a pretty good jump. He's not small. He's not the tallest man on the earth, but there's no doubt. They'll try and pressure both wingers, but I think if there's a contest or a, a kicking point, it's it's Suley. Yeah. Source as well. Uh, he gets up, he tries, but again, not the biggest leap in the world. It's a mismatch. Suley yeah. is one of the worst people for a kick target. If they can get some isolation out there... Crichton might have to help him out at times or maybe gets up for a couple. If the kicks don't go out there, he might have to over-call Mensell if he has a chance to get on that inside space. But I have no doubt they're going to try and pick out both the wingers if they're kicking in good ball and they can create a contest. Yeah, I agree. Um, they've found errors in a couple of games out of both those guys if you can get kick contests going. There's no doubt about it. But um, In the fair income department... In the fair dinkum department, it's a point, Apple. back through. we know what they're going to do. We spoke about it before. Link it up. Getting out of the corners.
1: Yep. Central the position.
0: Yep. They like to get central. They like to link up. They get out of corners. They carry well. Fox, that's probably the best thing he's improved while he's been at Melbourne. He's someone you can get, though, because he's a bit lighter. Surly, he's like an extra forward. He's a big body. You need to get on him early, because if he yep. gets to skip across the defender and gets momentum, he's one of the better play-1-2 carries in the game.
1: Yeah, he well, he is. I think he's the best play-1-2 carry in this
0: game. And if they do open it up, uh, that generally gets Pappenhausen out of dummy half next, and he just jumps in behind the marker space. He doesn't go wide. He doesn't start drifting. If he gets a quick play of the ball and there's a dead Marine or a marker court, he just goes bang like a greyhound straight up the guts. Yeah, He, he gets right there. off the back of it. And if not, Fox does the same thing next play. They play a wide pass. He gets wide on the B or the C, and he just dives back into that gate space. Or he isolates a man, and he'll just try and get out the top of him with pure speed. Yeah, So it's going to be critical for them to get a good set start at the back because they've obviously got a very, very big forward pack. I have no doubt they'll try to link up. In the wet, it might stop them from doing as much. Um, But yeah, that's that's obviously a huge thing. And we talked about bench impacts. For me, this is the one thing I've said all year and I've said it to you that I've been really confident. When all of them are there, I think it's one of the best bench impacts or bench rotations you could have, and especially the way Tino's developed now. But the fact that Dale's come back if it was the starting side as it was at the start of the year, and you told me you could have Nelson, Tino, and Brandon Smith off your bench, I'm pretty happy with that. Absolutely. That's not yes. just going to maintain. That's going to bring a new dynamic to the game. And Brandon Smith, again last week, was huge off the bench. Yes. He's just a tear away. He's, he's a pain mental. in the ass. He crawls on the ground. He burrows in. He tries to put shots on. He's just a ball of energy. Tino, I didn't think it was great last week, but he's had some huge games this year as well. And Dale Finucane, he was off an injury. It was a solid effort last week. I'm sure he'll be fired up more so for the grand final. But it's very handy to be bringing back an origin player to play off the bench.
1: It's a massive win. So absolutely massive
0: in. Their rotation is going to be absolutely outstanding as far as their middles. They're going to be able to maintain. They're going to be able to try and throw a bit at Penrith. Penrith have obviously shown that they've mashed everyone in the middle so far this year, and they're not worried about anyone. But Melbourne, similar to Penrith, have a bit of firepower there in their rotation. So... That's the biggest matchup I guess in this game and, and there was already talk today that they might look at playing four. They're talking about Kamika Kimi Mika coming in and being a fourth body. So clearly they've got confidence that Munster's healthy if they're gonna think about considering dropping Nico off the bench. Wow, yeah. So in you know, a wet weather game. Four prong. Well, they're
1: just confident that they've there's something there that or there's a there's an avenue there for them to cover it without Nico if if Munster does go down.
0: Yep. Uh, Those guys, again, same deal. Tackle breaks. They generate momentum. They get them playing early to that left-hand side, but they're obviously going to want to get the football second phase. That's probably the only thing i found where these guys head-to-head across the year weren't even. I found Melbourne make more errors, only a couple more. Meters-wise and just dominating, whether it be the back or the pack, Panthers rack up more meters than anyone in the comp, more post-contact meters. They don't struggle to get upfield. They complete... The better, the best out of everyone in the competition, eighty-two percent on average. Yeah. Melbourne seventy-seven. The other one I loved possession. These two are the two best possession teams in the comp, which tells you that they dominate games. They force turnovers, they force dropouts, they control games of football. Mm. Penrith highest possession rate across the whole season, fifty-five percent. Melbourne fifty-two percent. Uh, the only thing where Melbourne had Penrith was second phase, not by a lot, but an extra three offloads a game. So Melbourne with that big pack, obviously do generate second-phase football, Mm -hmm. which brings Pappenhausen into the game, brings Munster into the game, these kind of guys float around the football. And that's probably the last one to bring up out of everyone. We know Smith's critical at dictating terms around the middle, probing, controlling things, getting the middles going, playing into the halves, getting the wits to that edge. But Pappenhausen, for me, is the real X X factor for Melbourne. If they play well, if they get their shapes going to the left and he's pushing out there, he's showing now that he's got a pass. He can run. He's deadly from the back if he gets space. He's deadly if he gets a quick play of the ball out of yardage. And he's as, Billy, and I, as busy, and I didn't think it was going to be possible to find someone as busy and on the ball as Billy Slater. He's very busy. Crazy. Yeah, isn't it? His defensive organisations, obviously. shooting
1: well by young Bill.
0: Yeah. He's his, his de-organisations obviously have to get better. You pointed out when we went to that South game that he got the numbers wrong a couple of times. Yeah. But as far as his work rate and attack being on the ball... Pushing up from the back, getting there for those sweet plays, he's fucking busy. Yeah, he's extremely busy. Yeah, he's, um, he's everywhere.
1: As you said, he's he's forming into what's going to be a uh, a very very classy fullback. Mm. He already is, but he you know he's still got a long it's, way yeah, to go. It's, to, it's year two of development. to get into that yeah. Billy Slater type echelon, but he's certainly got the skill set in order to, to do so. Seems humble and seems to have a good work ethic.
0: And he's another one of those ones when they get those edges. As an inside trail, he's going to probably be the one, I think, to unlock that Luai kick-out space. Mm. He's going to make them incountable on the inside. If he's an inside trail for Hughes or for Felice, and you hold off for two seconds and they can tip into space or get an offload or isolate him, he's that guy you've got to worry about. Yeah. No different the other side of the field. If Munster can get deep in the line on that left-hand side and they get him flat or isolate Liam or Naden... Pappenhausen does a very, very good job now of identifying when he wants to pass, when he wants to run, where he thinks he can slice through. Um, but I just found this one, like you said, looking at the end, just hard across the board. I think packs, I'd give Penrith the slight edge, but when you go through the bench rotation in the starting pack of Melbourne, I could easily say Melbourne have the edge. Mm. Outside backs, I think they're fairly even. I think Again, I think Penrith's been better across the year, but the fact they're not confident one of their centres right now is a little bit of a worry. Melbourne on the flip side. Branko had a couple of shaky weeks there, but he seemed to tighten things up. They've got different styles of wingers, but they're all four of them are good in yardage. Their centre pairings, they both have a devastating left centre, Olam, Crichton. They've both got outstanding nines who play a little bit differently. Penrith get the edge in the halves because they've obviously got two quality halves that bring a bit of balance, whereas Melbourne probably rely a bit more on Munster being a point of difference, and Hughes is a manufactured Number seven, fullbacks, Edwards is great, but you'd think Pappenhausen is better, and I think benches are very close. So mm-hmm. this is your whole point before. I think this is the hardest grand final we've had to pick since we started the podcast.
1: Yeah, it's close to...
0: Shark Storm was the only other one I I really was torn on. Yeah. I, I think I tipped the Sharks, or maybe I didn't, but at the set at the time, I think the Sharks would win. Um, this one, for me, is the hardest one we've had. It really is.
1: Agree, Yeah. It's, it's a bloody tough one. I'm going to lean... I'm leaning Penrith. I'm leaning Penrith based on three three things. The spine, the forward pack, and the winning streak. And just the momentum. And I think they've got a better body of work across the year. Um. But, yeah, i got no idea.
0: Yeah. Bothered. No
1: idea. I, mm. I, uh, there's a lot of... There's so much to talk about and so much that could happen in this game. There's... I think there's more questions unanswered, even yeah. when you do a preview, than there are answered. And, you know, after the game, I think we're going to, it's going to be a lot easier to do a review after this game than yeah. um, it has been for other grand finals. Probably going to be an enjoyable review as well, like, regardless of whatever way the result goes. I'm going to enjoy just looking at the way this game's coached, the way it's played. Uh, Hopefully, we're not looking at the way it was, was refereed. Yeah, that's the big one. Uh, so hopefully, he just gets the fuck out of the way, yeah. gets them back 10, penalises teams when they need to be penalised, otherwise just stays the fuck out of it uh, and let the these two teams decide it. Uh, hopefully, the weather hasn't doesn't have too big of an impact.
0: I hope it doesn't rain too bad. What do I, I really feel don't.
1: strongly about? I feel pretty strongly that it's going to be unders. Uh, I think the line at the moment is 46.5 or 44.5 I saw today. Um, I just think both teams will be happy to defend their way to victory. I think 18 will be that key number again. I know I always say it in big games. You don't see many teams score 18 and lose. So it'll just be that battle to get to 19 points. And whoever does will be very, very confident about lifting the trophy at the end of the night.
0: Over unders right now is 35.5. So they're obviously half. expecting
1: the wet weather. Yeah. That's changed significantly since yesterday. So 35 and a half, yeah, I'd stay away. I'd stay away. I'd probably want yeah. a little bit more than that. Overs
0: or unders, 35 and a half. That's, yeah. Points.
1: 40 and a half, like bang on 20 points each, I'd, I'd take under. 35 and a half is about bang on. That's around that number that I was talking about.
0: Odds head to head. What's,
1: what's 18 and 19 is 37, isn't it? So yeah, yeah it's right around that number.
0: Odds have gone out a little bit more. Started at dollars. The market now is Melbourne Storm $1.70. Penrith Panthers two twenty five. dollars uh, mm. As far as Churchill markets, no surprise. Yeah, I think
1: that's wrong. I, I don't think they're that far apart in no, terms of no, the odds. No, you know? no doubt. So I, I would have started a pick. If a I'm going to have a bet, I'm, I'm going to bet on Penrith. We
0: know why bookies do it, though.
1: I've got a significant stake on Penrith to win the comp that was placed in God, I don't know. April, I think, May. uh, To to collect big, so at nineteen to one, I've got the Panthers to win it. Clive Churchill, please God, and they haven't given me a cash out option.
0: No, they wouldn't now. Two favourites, no surprise. Cameron Smith, Nathan Cleary, four twenty five for Smith, four fifty for Cleary. Next two, Pappenhausen ten dollars, Munster eleven dollars. Corusio, the real value for me, at 15 sitting there. there. Him and Pappenhausen are the two. I'm looking at $10 and $15. Uh, Jerome Hughes, Did we 70. speak about
1: that on a show the other night or was that off air we were talking?
0: No, we spoke about it a little bit. I said yeah. to you that like Cleary's so short that I think Corusio and Luai are the value. And Corusio's coming a little bit. He's 15 now. I think he was 21 or something the other night. And Jerome was about 26. He's now 21. Mm. So I'd be happy to have a 5 or a 10 on both those guys because um, they're critical pieces. I'd like back as well. As well. Pappenhausen is the one I really like for Melbourne at ten. If it's not Smith, I think it's Pappenhausen.
1: Yeah, and if you're looking for an outsider, Isaiah Yo, potentially.
0: Yeah, well Yo's twenty six. Fisher what's, Harris what's, an absolutely um, blind.
1: What's forty or twenty 23. three?
0: 23. Kick out twenty one. If he just busts them up on that left edge and has, I'm not sure. Kick out.
1: Kick out might do some really game changing things. I'm not sure he's going to have. Enough touches to to win out Clive Churchill.
0: Edwards, thirty four. Felice, thirty four. Kenny, thirty four. Liam Martin, thirty four. Nelson, Tino, forty one. Tarmouth, sixty seven. Fox, sixty seven. O'Alarm, sixty seven. Etc. Like, there's not many getting into that realm that I'm looking at going. make What could- about Brandon Smith? Brandon Smith off the bench to make a massive impact. If that was the case, uh, where is Brandon Smith? $34. Yeah.
1: If that's to, just more thinking, you know, like if Munster went down early, Smith has to move into the halves or Brandon Smith gets more time than you think, Th- there'd have to be a few things that are happening. If you're going to, to
0: back game. any forwards in this game.
1: But look at the impact he can have when he comes on.
0: If there's a forward winning it, it's one of the three Penrith guys. I don't think it's anyone from Melbourne. If a Ford was to win the Clive Churchill, it'd be, be the fish, fish or yeah.
1: I think it's fish or yeah. I
0: don't think kickout can yeah. be. Whereas Melbourne, I think there's a lot of guys that'd be solid contributors, but I can't see a Nelson and I'm not
1: sure Fisher Harris is recognised enough
0: by the people that no, matter, not for supports and decoys no. and the dirty work he does, and unless he scores a try and gets some offload or does something extra on top of his already ridiculous workload, yeah, he's not going to get the recognition he deserves. I would have been interested to see if that game the other night... I, I look at this one I think... Who do you think, think was the man of the match in the Penrith game? I can't replay. I know Yo had a couple of huge runs, but I thought Corusio, if you looked at that game closely, had... I thought Luwai was good. Huge moments. Corusio was good, yeah. Yeah, I thought Louis, uh, Corusio, sorry, would be the one if you went that game the other night, but... Uh, who would they give it to? Oh, I don't know. I didn't okay. see if there was a man of the match. I'm just saying, if that was the grand final, yeah. when I watched it on review... From home rather than when we're at the game. Just I think on Channel video.
1: Nine still do a man of the match, don't
0: they? I don't know. I don't really watch Channel Nine. Me either. So one to twelve, the Panthers three ten six fifty for thirteen plus Melbourne Storm one to 12, 275 Melbourne thirteen plus the line is still two points. Uh First try scorer is one that everyone loves, Josh out of the car.
1: I'm just going to back the four back rowers. You know my rule. Grand
0: yeah, finals. five bucks on each. Well, Tyo and oh, Mansour, 11 and 12. dollars The Melbourne Wingers, 8.50 and 10. That's Sully and Fox. Paps, 13. Crichton's 13. Naden, if he plays to start, 18. Olam, 15. is probably good value. Uh, Kikiao, for a back row, great value. You get 19 bucks. Brenko on the right side for Melbourne. Uh, Munster, 26. Drone Lui, 26. bucks. Where's the other back rows? Where's Felice? Felice hasn't scored much at all this year. He hasn't. Thirty-one dollars. Liam Martin's good value at thirty-six. He's crashed over for a couple. Yeah,
1: I'll be having five on the four back rows.
0: Kenny doesn't score that much, but if they get that left edge close enough, he's thirty-six. So oh. Kikio's is most likely out of those four. But if one of the Melbourne guys was to get a try in this game at thirty-six or Liam Martin at thirty-six, that's huge value. Mm. Usually every back row is at least in the twenty. I honestly
1: just think with the Clive Churchill I, I really think that the selectors going to be determined to give it to Smith if Melbourne win I think they're going to be determined to give it to Cleary if Penrith win.
0: Yeah, see, so that's what I don't like. I think
1: because you've got the whole Dally M narrative now that he you know he didn't get the Dally M, he, did yeah, he deserve the Dally, Dally M? No, I oh, I
0: get it, oh, but yeah. I'm
1: just telling you like that's Thurston, why they're so short. We
0: saw it the other year. Thurston wasn't the best player in that Grand Final. You
1: you're you did, now preaching to you, my you point. He did not man. deserve that medal. So you not... can talk about who's actually the best player on the field, but yeah, you're assuming that the judges are going to actually going to vote for the best person on the field. Yep. So you
0: have nothing else to add from what we talked about.
1: No, I think good um, review. I I look forward to the game.
0: Those two nines are huge. Different sorts of contributions, but both very very good at what they do. Um, they're the
1: best two nines on the comp.
0: They're massive. They're going to be the two dictating factors in this game to decide what everyone else gets to do. If their packs do their job and unleash those two nines, that'll unlock both their left edges, your Munsters, your Pappenhausens. Yeah. It all, to me, ticks off the two nines. Mm. Whichever one of them has the better game, which is why, like I said, I know Nate's going to be a big factor, but I think Coruscant and his contribution to this game is going to be even bigger. Uh, but wet weather was one thing that coming. Like, all oh, this is what we talked about is generally what you'd say, hopefully, in good conditions, that if it's wet weather... And it's going to be more of a middle game and more based off your kicking. I think the kicking side of it is massive for the Panthers. I think defensively, the way they play, especially play one, two, a yardage will suit them. Mm-hmm. Melbourne are very patient. They'll be happy to play the middle game, but they don't have as good a kicking game. Smith will be more relied on if it's a heavy track. Yeah. Um,
1: Look, and, yeah. you know people are going to talk about what happened last week. Penrith made 13 errors last week. Yeah. I-, I can't see that happening again. It's a one-off. If it happens again, they get beat. So if you're looking at what they did last week, don't back Penrith. If you think Penrith are going to play like they did last week, or worse? Don't go and put any money on. Mm. You, you, you know, you, you're having that faith that it was a it was a blip, and it when you look at the season as a whole, it was a blip. Yeah. Uh, but it's you're just thinking that it's not going to be something that's going to continue into this week.
0: All right. Well, we've got to that time. Your tip your first dry scorer, and your Clive Churchill medalist.
1: So. Well, my tip is Penrith. I think Penrith will win by. Oh, I don't know, less than six. Say six.
0: Panthers by six. First try score.
1: I'm gonna go the back rows. I'm just backing I'm backing all four. All
0: right. So he's just gonna go the back row. Try Go it. all the
1: edges. Because yeah. if you get most people are going and have twenty on something anyway, just have five on the four back rows. that's what I'll be doing.
0: Clive Churchill.
1: Uh, I'll be backing the two favourites.
0: So Nathan Smith, if you're gonna yeah.
1: go uh, you know, and then the value, I've gone through the value. Um I think a spine player will win it. Like if you look at the history of the award, that's what it tells you. Uh, so if you, you know, if you you could just go, on, you could just go and have a hundred on both the favourites, or you could not back either of the favourites and then go and back the other three spine players and as a bit of value, go and have five on all of them. There's a, there's a multitude of ways you can do it, or you can just pick a favourite number, pick your favourite player. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things throw some dice and going back a number Um, but yeah I'll I'll be having money on both the favourites I just think it's as I said it's not so much about who is the best player I think there's a lot more that goes into who gets the Churchill medal unfortunately
0: well mine's never not going to sound biased but in all honesty if it wasn't going to be wet I was going to be on Penrith but now it's going to be wet I reckon it's one of these teams by same as you less than six so I'm going to take the storm by two in heavy conditions. First try, score out. It's the obvious one. It's the easiest one to pick, but Melbourne's going to play to the left, so I'm going to go the Fox. Uh, the Clive Churchill, I hope they don't force it to Smith if they do win. I think Pappenhausen can be the real difference in this game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take Pappenhausen for the Clive Churchill. But it, I think, again, I'm going
1: well. Is he going to have enough... Touches and enough impacts, though.
0: He is a lot bigger key to that left hand side than what he's getting credit for. He's come I up understand with the that, but then
1: you're, this is to my point.
0: And the runs.
1: You're assuming that the judges are going to actually be able to um, well, judge that impact. If they take and their
0: goggles I, off and they watch football. No, I agree.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. But I just think it's an award where. A lot of those influences and impacts just aren't taken into account. But if you it. want to be
0: serious in wet weather, it probably does suit Smith anyway. If he gets to dictate how the middle works, work it over, he's kicking game, yeah. it's probably teed up for him in those conditions. Vice versa. Well, I, think, I, think
1: in, I think in the wet, it, Coruscant has a better chance of getting it than Cleary.
0: Yeah, 100%. Because he'll dictate the middle similar to Smith. Most touches, work it over, pro, yeah. create opportunity. That's what I'm saying. For me, the two nines, but in particular, Coruscant is the value for me if it's wet.
1: If it's wet, yeah, Coruscant. He's my
0: one that I'd be backing, money-wise. If this was a dry game...
1: The other one is also Yo as well, because he's going to play tight
0: and he can pass. His feet feet are very, very good. If this was a dry track, I would have said Penrith probably by six, and just because I think they've got more footy in them. I think think it probably
1: will be a dry dry track. I I hope
0: it is. And and if that is the case, I'm throwing it there right now. If it is dry on the weekend and we're there, I'm going to bet on Penrith, because I think they've got more football in them. I really do. Yeah. Uh, given what it's supposed to be, and we're on a Thursday here, so this is just my thought right now. If it's going to be wet, heavy, more back and forth, more based on just holding the ball, being patient and sitting in there, I'm going to take Melbourne in an absolute nail biter. My mm. two points. But come game day, if that blows through and the bureau's been as fucking inaccurate as it has been in the last few weeks, if Penrith are over two dollars still, I'm on Penrith. Yeah. And if I had to pick a, a try scorer more in the dry, I'll be going like you said, the back row. I'd be going someone like a out or a eye, and my Clive Churchill on their side of the ball is Coruscant. So they're my two versions of wet and dry. But for now, I'm going off wet. Melbourne by two. So awesome game, though. Done. Can't, can't Enjoy wait. your GF. Really can't wait.
1: The worst part of the weekend is that there's no public holiday on Monday.
0: Yeah, disappointing. Mm. It's been a different year. Um, but like we said at the end of the day, I think we've got the best possible grand final.
1: we are at a great grand final. We've, we've got, final, got all and these
0: storylines. We get to go. But yeah, good. We've got the experienced juggernaut. They're back for, for their fourth in five years. Smith's possible retirement, a couple of other guys leaving, Riles, Fox, Suley. So they're going to be fired up for the occasion. And for the Panthers, we've got what we've been waiting for and what we said. We want to see new teams push through and break this cycle. We've got a young, brash team loaded up with local juniors who have a great story, and it would be massive out here if Penrith won. Huge. And we've said it every week. Not, I like Again, I'm not a Panther fan, but I like going to the games. Could you imagine the crowds this year with the way they've played their football if yeah. we could have a full house down
1: here? Would have been crazy.
0: Like, I hope next year's back to normal, and regardless of the result, they're playing that sort of football again. Because if this is what they're going to be in for the next two or three years and everything's managed right, things are kept in check, and these guys stay tight, this is going to be a joy to watch the next few years. Like We usually you know, come across some tickets, or they're easier to get when things aren't in COVID times, but... If things are in COVID times next year and this teams there, I'll probably just get a membership to avoid the hassle next year yeah. so we can go to a couple of those games because yeah. they're, they're great to watch and they're going to be great to watch moving forward. Correct. So, there you go.
1: For enjoy your weekend,
0: there, guys. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. The majority, I'm sure, are on the Panthers and if you are a Panthers fan, all the best. Huge occasion. Uh, if you are a Melbourne fan on the same side, good luck to you. And most importantly, hopefully just a fucking cracker game of football. That's what I want to say. That's what I want to say as well. Can't wait for it. Looking forward to the weekend. And for now, everybody, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league.
1: Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?